China's authorities moved over the weekend to stimulate stock market activity. The stocks there initially surged late yesterday by as much as 5%, but that fizzled out overnight. That's coming up in our five things in five minutes. And then in our bonus deep dive, Jack Chambers explains why the RBA might be about to accelerate the unwinding of all of its quantitative easing from COVID. We're not necessarily saying the RBA will change its approach to quantitative tightening, but October and November are live meetings for that decision or possible change. But first, in 5 and 5 with ANZ. Number one, China's authorities moved again over the weekend to stimulate economic activity, this time with various measures to encourage stock market trading and investment. That initially saw Chinese stocks jump 5%, But that rally fizzled out overnight as people took a closer look. Here's ANZ's head of FX research, Marja Benzaman. This measure is indeed one of the many measures that the Chinese authorities are trying to implement to boost domestic sentiment. Overall, the couple of measures that they've just announced is really to cut stock trading levy um, lower. This was last adjusted in the GFC. And also they have lowered the margin ratio for margin trading as well, which is making it easier for investors to sort of participate in the equity market, uh, given that the equity market has underperformed on a year-to-date basis this year. Number two, the RBA's rate hikes are keeping a lid on consumer spending, but not as much in July as expected. Yesterday's data showed retail sales actually rose 0.5% in July from June. ANZ had expected a 0.3% rise. But here's ANZ Australian economist Maddie Dunk to say things still are very tight. It's really clear that households are starting to cut back and we can see that in retail sales. We see it in our ANZ observed spending data too that spending growth is incredibly weak right now. People are dealing with a range of pressures on their budgets. Inflation remains very high Many people are rolling off of those fixed rates onto much higher variable rates and that's hurting and squeezing budgets and also renters are having to pay much higher rents too. Number three. So money's too tight to mention in Australia and it is in Europe too. Data out overnight showed European overall M3 money supply fell for the first time in 13 years. Now this is something the ECB watches closely and shows its 325 basis points of hikes in the last year is really getting some traction. The big question now is, will the ECB hike one last time when it next meets on September the 14th? Here's ANZ's head of G3 Economics, Brian Martin. My feeling there is that they're on hold. The PMI numbers that came out last week, the IFO number from Germany, uh, really quite disappointing, suggesting growing recession risks. The key number to watch in Europe this week is the August inflation data. If they come in reasonably well contained, I think the ECB will skip in September. But if we do get a a very strong inflation number, and if you had, for example, the monthly change in the number anywhere between a half and one percent, well, then again, I think that's going to force the ECB's hand into further tightening. Number four, currency traders will be watching the Bank of Japan again closely this morning with the yen still very weak over 146 yen because there was intervention there last year. Marjabin Zaman says this time might be different around 146 yen because last year Japan was suffering a terms of trade shock with oil prices over US $100 a barrel. 
Japan has also registered a positive balance of payments uh, in June for the first time since 2021, though you could argue that the trade balance fell slightly negative in July, thanks to partly falling exports to China, but broadly slightly better position than they were last year. So, you know, given the improved balance of payments in terms of trade, we think the Ministry of Finance will likely only intervene at levels closer to possibly 150 on dollar yen. Number five, Australia's Treasury has issued its intergenerational report out to 2063, which shows a tripling of the number of people aged over 80. Maddie Dunk takes a closer look at the fiscal implications. When we look at government spending, we know that that ageing population is going to drive about 40% of the increase in spending over the next 40 years. And the big five pressures on the budget that the Treasurer often discusses, so health, NDIS, aged care, defence and interest payments will only continue to grow. So they're expected to expand from currently being about a third of government spending to being around half of all government spending in 2063. Maddie Dunk there. Now, in our bonus deep dive, I had a chat with ANZ senior rate strategist Jack Chambers about how the RBA might be about to change the way it unwinds all that quantitative easing or bond buying it did during COVID in 2020 and 2021. Well, Jack, you've put out some research looking at what the Reserve Bank of Australia might do with its pile of government bonds. So tell us right now what the RBA is doing with those pile of bonds. So at the moment, the RBA is doing something what we'd call passive quantitative tightening, QT, where basically it holds, like you said, more than $330 billion of bonds. And as they mature, so as the government that issued those bonds um, pays out the cash that it borrowed, the RBA is letting those roll off its balance sheet. So it gets the money back and it doesn't reinvest that cash. It's a passive approach. It just sets, sits back and lets its balance sheet shrink in size over time. What we're currently talking about, or what we've been writing about, as you mentioned, is this idea that they could switch to active quantitative tightening. So instead of just letting their balance sheet shrink naturally as maturities occur, also starting to actively sell the bonds that it holds. And that is kind of, we had a lot of conversations with clients about this. This is something that's really in focus in markets at the moment. And the reason that comes up, or the reason it's happening and why we're thinking about this change, is the RBA has kind of sprinkled a few breadcrumbs about why they're thinking about making this change. That happened as early as May. In the minutes for the May board meeting, they talked about their bond holdings. They said they're happy with the current passive approach for the time being, the key phrase being, for the time being. But they said they'd review it periodically, and they specifically called out, in terms of a time when they'd think about reconsidering, the end or the first tranche of term funding facility maturities. The term funding facility were the three-year loans that the RBA provided to banks, and the maturities of those are largely concentrated in September of this year and June of next year. So we get to October, the RBA will be able to assess what market impact did those maturities have, and is it appropriate to maybe change its approach to uh, quantitative tightening. So in a way, they're, they're sort of checking to make sure that when the term funding facility uh, ends, that there's not too much drama or tightness in financial markets before they, they do the slightly uh, sensitive business of unwinding QE. 
Exactly, exactly. And what's also driven, I guess, this greater focus on the RBA's balance sheet management is that in the August Statement of Monetary Policy, which came out in the first week of August, they had a box where they basically talked about scarcity of sovereign or government bonds. And they did like a cross-market or cross-country comparison of those. And they put that in the context of other central bank holdings of those bonds. So if you think that is a way of getting people, getting us, getting the market to think about, oh, the RBA is thinking about this issue as well. So it's almost like they're kind of getting us to think about it again after bringing it up in May. What I think that is telling us and the way we're kind of thinking about it is the RBA is trying to separate two issues. On one hand, monetary policy, what it does with the cash rate. And on the other hand, the management of its balance sheet and whether it's appropriate to speed up the reduction in its balance sheet. We're not necessarily saying the RBA will change its approach to quantitative tightening, but October and November are live meetings for that decision or possible change. ANZ Senior Rate Strategist Jack Chambers there. And tomorrow we'll have part two of this deep dive, where Jack looks at how much of a tightening a more active form of QT might deliver or not. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Tuesday, August the 29th. Catch you tomorrow. This podcast was recorded for publication on behalf of ANZ. All associated disclosures and disclaimers can be viewed using the link in your media player or the ANZ website through which you access this podcast. All care has been taken to report the views of ANZ Research in the creation of this podcast, but as an independent host, any differing interpretations are strictly mine and not ANZ's. Feel free to contact your ANZ point of contact with any questions.